thank you for a huge year on the Words and Nerds podcast. In 2021, the podcast had more than 250 conversations with authors, publishers, agents, booksellers, podcasters, and other amazing bookish people in approximately 200 episodes. There are three spin-offs, Ben Hobson's Burgers, Beers and Books, Josie Layton's A Different Page, and Nathan J. Phillips's The Regular Takeover. We had 22 takeover guests and growing, a summer series takeover, a NaNoWriMo series, crossovers, and the incredibly popular Publishing Insider series. The podcast appeared at literary festivals. We hosted live streams at bookshops for book launches, including the much-loved Four Continents for Critics. This holiday series is all about you, the listeners. Enjoy the most listened-to episodes of 2021 to get you through the holiday period. Stay safe and read more books. Words and Nerds presents Publishing Insider. This weekend's Words and Nerds episodes are brought to you by Readings Books and Music, an independent bookseller with seven stores across Melbourne. You can go to readings.com.au to buy books online, check out our upcoming events, and for the lowdown on the winner of the 2021 Readings YA Prize, Future Girl by Asphyxia. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds Publishing Insider Series with Danny V and Adrian Beck. This is our final episode for Series 1 of Publishing Insider, where we take you behind the scenes to get an insight into the publishing industry. I want to thank all of our wonderful listeners who have given such incredible feedback about this spin-off series. We hope you've enjoyed it and we hope to be back cooking up a Season 2. Oh, yes, we absolutely do. But we have saved the absolute best for last. Today we welcome Fiona Hazard, Group Publishing Director from Hachette. Fiona has over 25 years experience across the UK, Australia and New Zealand markets. She loves combining the creative and the commercial to publish best-selling, award-winning, headline-grabbing books across multiple formats that resonate with readers of all ages. Fiona is committed to improving access to and the accessibility of books to all, increasing gender balance, improving diversity and inclusion and being more sustainable. Fiona Hazard, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Um, Good evening. Really nice to be with you. I wanted to get to the bottom of this. A group publishing director. Mm. If you you wouldn't mind, if you could give us a description of what that actually means. What's your role there at Hachette? Okay. Well, the group part of it um, corresponds with the fact that I look after Australia and I also work with our office in New Zealand. So that's kind of where where the group bit comes into it. And then in terms of my role... It's, there's a few different strands to it. So first and foremost, I'm a publisher. So I work with authors, um, a kind of quite a boutique list um, of authors, including um, wonderful people like Geraldine Brooks, um, who many of your listeners would know. And I'm about to start working with Dr. Michael Mosley and Dr. Claire Bailey, which is very, very exciting. Mm. Kind of one strand of it. And then I work with our Australian publishing team and there are 20 of us in that team and basically that's the kind of the the part of Hachette where we are working with Australian authors and producing local books so within that remit it's everything from editorial design production contracts rights international sales so it's kind of a publishing business in miniature if you like all those different areas of business um And then as a a board member, I'm working with the fellow members of the board and that essentially is is setting um, the mission of the company and what we want to achieve and the direction that we want to take 
the business in um, and that's where things like accessibility and the diversity and inclusion come in um, and really our, our mission there is to support Australian voices and get wonderful Australian books into the hands of as many readers as we can whether that's through a printed edition an ebook or an audio um, so you know so lots going on and obviously um, COVID has been challenging in that we've had to really drastically change the way that we work. So part of that board role has been very much involved with moving a team from all sitting next to one another in the office and having great chats in the corridor to how we kind of recreate that environment online and embracing things like Teams and Zoom and, you know, doing um, conferences online. So that's been um, a huge learning curve, I think, over the last 18 months and, and doing things that we just never even dreamt that our jobs would involve. So, yeah. <laughs> could be said yes. for everyone, couldn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it could indeed. <laughs> not, not, not unique. By any stretch of the imagination. I, I just can't believe how many hours a day you stare at your own face, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never yes. done that before. I, sometimes, you know, I've had pen on my face for 12 hours and I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> now you just constantly see your own face. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of talking. A lot of a lot of talking. Yeah, yeah. Now, I love how you're committed to improving access um, to and the accessibility of books to all, you know, to increasing gender balance and improving diversity and inclusion. Should aspiring writers take this into account when submitting to Hachette? Um, I'd, I'd love that they, that they would take it into account because I'm, you know, I'm really proud of the work that we're doing in that area. But I think, um, you know, ultimately it's about finding the right publisher for an author and I think the relationship that you have with your publisher is is so critical to how um, that writing process and the publishing process evolves that that making sure that person is someone that you feel incredibly comfortable with that you trust you know you really trust and can have all those nitty-gritty conversations with should always be the, the thing that guides your choice the most but I think absolutely you know find find the company where your, your values align and that you're working towards the same the same sorts of things. I think that's, yeah, I'd, I'd love it if that was why people chose us, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Well, speaking of what you do actually publish, how many books does Hachette publish a year? And the genre-wise, genre are we all across a variety of different genres as well? Of course. So we publish about 100 books a year and those will range from um, quite young, early readers, picture books, junior, middle grade fiction, YA. So covering that full kind of age range on the, on the children's list. And then we have uh, a commercial fiction list, which, as the name suggests, is commercial, uh, literary fiction, and then also our non-fiction you know, so narrative, memoir, biography, um, history, and also a lifestyle list, which incorporates the more kind of health and well-being um, style of books and some illustrated thrown in there as well. Yeah, it's a huge variety of books. I mean, how do yeah. you know that you, th this particular author is right for Hachette and this book is right for Hachette? Is there a way, does, does a, is there a light bulb moment, Fiona? <laughs> You go, Eureka, they're in. Well, <laughs> I love that question. I love that question so much because there kind of is a, a Eureka moment in that as a publisher when you read a manuscript or you get a synopsis or an idea for a book and you think it can work and that you can find readers for that book, then 
you, you have a personal eureka moment and then you think, yeah, this, this is something that I can really see working. And then as a publisher, your role is to basically get the rest of your publishing team on board and then talk about ways essentially that you're selling that idea all the way through your own company onto booksellers and then onto readers. So, you know, you've, you've got to be sure that you can take everyone along on that, on that journey with you and that you can get it basically that you can ensure that when it gets onto a, in, into a bookshop and onto the shelf that someone's going to be willing to hand over their money and, um, and, and buy the book. Can you always trust those Eureka moments? Like, uh, do you, do you know for sure <laughs> when you have a Eureka moment, do you know for sure that this one's <laughs> going to be an absolute smash? No. <laughs> no, you cannot stress those Eureka moments. Um, you know, publishing is such, is such a kind of weird industry in so many ways because there are so many variables and, um, you know, you can see something and you think that's an amazing idea, but then in, in the way that the world works, somebody else might also be thinking about the same idea at the same time, you know, and then all of a sudden you find out that the book that you thought was going to be the first one out um, you know, the authors come up with something so fresh and different or it's a really interesting take on a kind of established topic. Um, and then you find out that three or four other authors have had the same idea and three or four other publishers have also mm -hmm. had the same idea. And that can definitely have an impact. And, I mean, obviously that's that's probably more a consideration with nonfiction. You know, you say something like a true crime story where you're all kind of chasing after um a particular story and think look this has got huge potential you know you can you can often find that then you know in, in publishing we often talk about sometimes you need to be first to market with an idea or you need to have the strongest book you know and it's it's kind of making a decision between well are you going are you going to be one of those things same with something like true, a true crime where it's based on something that's actually happening in the world right now you're waiting for the results perhaps of, um, of a court case, you know, a decision on a court case, and you think, can, can we get this book out into shops, into readers' hands? Can we be first? Because, or, you know, if you're going to be the second or the third, then the momentum has gone potentially, or there's been so much coverage in the media that it's just not worth its while. So then you're kind of thinking, okay, will this book be the most comprehensive on that particular topic will get this particular author had access to different people or, you know, have a lead or, you know, will they have something that might even crack, um, you know, a cold case if they're writing about something that happened in the past. So you're kind of weighing up where you sit. Are you going to be first, quickest, you know, capitalise on the momentum or are you going to bring something really different mm. um, to what's already known? So those are the things that you're kind of weighing up. And obviously there's a huge element of gamble in that. And so as a publisher, essentially you're kind of hedging your bets there's a little bit mm. say, well, you know, this is something that we believe we want to get behind. This is a book and an author that we want to get behind. And then we have to do everything that we can in our power to take it through all the various steps to get, the booksellers on board to get the media to get the influencers so that when we get it into bookshops then you know readers feel very compelled um to to go and buy that book 
And here we thought you were going to have some lockstep system for us for the successful yes. book. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we didn't. Point one, do this. Tick. Point two, tick. Yeah, done. Easy, easy, easy. We thought it was just going to be on a spreadsheet. You could just tick it off. Where you go. There's still lots of spreadsheets involved. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> but um, it's it's very interesting, actually, how you know as well. I think publishing one of the joys of it as a publisher is that you've got access to lots of data. So, you know, as publishers, we can look at things like BookScan, which tell us how many copies of a book have been sold every week, and you can run studies and surveys and get insights, but there can still be those books that kind of defy all the information that you've been given. Mm-hmm. So that's, 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 as a publisher, you want to make sure that you have the support of your um colleagues that they trust your instincts as well so Mm. you know and that's how how people you know new trends basically appear because someone's kind of stuck their neck out and said we have to give this a go because it's just so different to anything that we've um you know that we've published before we think it's really unique the voice is completely different to to really kind of push push the boundaries and push everyone to get behind you know, a great, a great new author. So you are pretty much a trendsetter, Fiona. <laughs> yes, that absolutely. Well, that's what we'd like to be. I'd love to say that. Um, yes, yes. In many ways, yes. Absolutely. Well, you, you've got to yes. predict the future a little bit. Yeah. You've got to sort of oh, be yeah, an oracle. Definitely, definitely. There's definitely some crystal ball gazing um, and thinking and, um, you know, looking at what people are interested in. I think that's what I reckon, which is not a book that we published, but I think he his cookbook last year was was really a kind of a good um, example of that, where you know somebody who was who was building up such an online following, but at face value, you might have, you might have thought, how what what book is that going to be? You know, he's got a profile. He obviously is great. Um, you know, he likes to cook. He he connects with his audience. Can that be a book? And what is that book going to be? Um, and you know that was hugely successful. Mm, and I've cooked some of his meals, and they're top notch. <laughs> <laughs> and he's such a fabulous guy. He really is. It's just so entertaining. Guy. You're right. Yeah. If I just can circle back a little bit, I've been dying to ask this question because I think it's it's quite a hot topic and can be debated quite quite hotly. I think you said in your genres before, you know, there's literary fiction and commercial fiction, and I want to know how Hachette defines each one of those because I know there's this huge argument that there's not a thing. Or people oh, make it a goodness thing. me. <laughs> the commercial v literary conversation is one that, that rolls on and on and on. And I'm glad to be part of the conversation on that front. Um, at Hachette, we actually have a head of literary fiction and we have a head of commercial fiction. And so that's one publisher who oversees um, each of those lists mm-hmm. uh, in their entirety. And there is crossover between those lists. So, I mean, I think, you know, and I never would like to be too definitive about how you classify something. And obviously there's that lovely sweet spot in the middle that's reading group fiction or book club fiction, which kind of can appeal quite broadly. So I think, you know, it's it's a categorization that, that publish, publishers apply rather than than readers and I think yeah and when you get that sweet spot do you have both heads fighting over this book sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that must be yes it's quite interesting actually 
when every now and then an agent will send in a submission and say, I'm not quite sure who to send this to. And I just think, oh, this means we're all going to want it, basically. <laughs> and, and then we have to kind of, you know, fight it out between ourselves um, as, as to who will go, we'll go after it. So it can be quite competitive. What yeah. we want, we want the dirt. It's a great sign, though, when that happens, you know, because you think, okay, this, this is a really good sign that we're all, and we can all see kind of that, you know, because sometimes as well, depending on how you package a book, obviously you, you, different pu- publishers, three different publishers would probably put a slightly different spin on a book, you know, in terms of just exactly where they position it in the market, the sort of cover that they put on it. Um, so, that, so that all plays into it as well. It's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But what I'm also hearing is that as a publisher, you have to be a pretty good salesperson because you have to get your team enthused about an idea. And there's yeah. probably many different departments within your team, yeah. your wider team, I should say, the wider publishing yes. company. And then, then they've got to pass on that enthusiasm to, to bookshops. And then the yes. bookshops have to pass on that enthusiasm yeah. to readers. And then hopefully yes. readers will pass it on to each other. Exactly. exactly. When does the selling stop, Fiona? The selling never stops. And actually it goes the other way too, because essentially we are selling ourselves to authors and if they have an agent to their agent as well. So we will often um, be pitching um, to authors to, to work with them, which again is, is showcasing what we believe we can bring um, to, a, to a publishing partnership with them. Um, so yeah, the, the selling never stops, Adrian. Is <laughs> and look, even when you're in a bookshop, when you have published the book and you see someone looking at one of the books you've worked on, <laughs> the, the temptation to go over to them and say, that is such a good book, just never goes away. <laughs> do you do that, Fiona? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You just kind of cough behind them and you might go, oh, why was he doing oh. that too? Or, you know. Uh, my family think it's hilarious because I get so excited if I see someone buying it's one of our books so yeah that is so funny we're we're quite an enthusiastic bunch we love enthusiasm (laughs) we're here for that we're here for enthusiasm no you've got to be you've got to be in this industry now the um the pro that we talk about uh, writers and selling yourself to writers uh, mm. f- for example an unpublished writer or maybe a writer yes. that wants to uh, come on board what's the process uh, at Hachette let's say for an unpublished writer who's in search yeah. of a publication what, what's the process that they go through or should be trying to go through okay well this is quite a long answer because there's quite a few approaches to sure. this but the first thing I'd say is if you're listening and you're interested in being a writer jump on the Hachette website and have a look at our getting published page because there's some really good information on there just to do a bit of selling. Um, <laughs> and basically, you know, there's there's lots of different approaches. You can send in um, an unsolicited manuscript to our submissions email address, which we have one for children's submissions and one for adult submissions. Okay. And that's open right now, Fiona? That's open all the time. Oh, fantastic. It's open okay. all the time. And one of my colleagues um, basically looks at that, um, you know, once every couple of weeks. And we have one there that, you know, allow kind of a good amount of time for us to review. And, you know, it, we can't go back to everyone who's submitted, but if we're interested, then we'll get in touch. But absolutely, um, we, we do look at that Um that submission site regularly and then we also um, run or are associated with a number of writing 
prizes and programs. So Hachette has its own writing prize called the Ritual Prize. Um, and the kind of different thing about that prize is that you don't actually have to have written the whole book to enter that prize. You only need to have written three chapters um, and to provide a synopsis um, of the work. And that's, it's actually, depending on when this goes out, it's actually just closing at the end of this week, the, the 2021 um, round. And basically that, that prize is a $10,000 um, prize money and mentorship with one of the Hachette publishers. And that is adult fiction and nonfiction. And I think that is a great opportunity if you're thinking about writing, but you just don't have the time or the resources to commit to working on a whole book, um, which, is, which is the main reason we set up that prize is that it's, it gives people an opportunity to basically get in there, submit their work, um, and see how they go. So, so that's another way. That's brilliant. Could I just uh, reiterate what you need to do? You need three chapters and a synopsis, and that's all that's required for you to uh, enter the ritual prize. Ritual prize, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's all you need to enter. And then we just ask that you write a statement of how you would um, best use that money to help support you in your writing and to finish the manuscript. Um, but it's not, it's not long. So, you know, we think three chapters is kind of achievable if you know if you're if you've already got your hands full with everything else um then yeah so so that's that's something that's been running since 2015 and um has been a really successful pathway for a number of authors and actually a, a, a lady called Ruth MacGyver who's who's down in Melbourne has her first um crime thriller coming out with us in September oh, great and she was um, a, a ritual prize winner a couple of years ago. So mm. that's very exciting. So that's the ritual prize. And then we also work um, with a primary publishing partner of the State Library of Queensland's Black and Right program. And that's for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And that, that's a kind of, again, it's like a, it's a two two um, prong programs so there's a writing fellowship that's part of that and then there's also an editorial fellowship so on the writing fellowship um, listeners might be familiar with Claire G Coleman um, and Tara Williams who came through that program and then more recently Nadi Simpson whose Song of the Crocodile was longlisted for the Miles Franklin um, so those two wonderful writers mm, that's amazing program so fantastic to work to work with the team um, at Black and Right and then on the editorial side actually I mentioned that because if people are interested in in publishing as a career option the editorial fellowships are wonderful and they involve um, actually they work on the the winning um, manuscript with the writing fellows and they also do an internship with Hachette down in Sydney and also work with our in-house editors to do training and mentoring as well. So, you know, that's that's kind of as an aside, but that's a really nice part of that program as well. Yeah, so many great ways to to uh, be assisted finding your way into the publishing yeah. market as well. That's that's terrific. Yeah. And uh, for those that are that are wondering about the the Ritual Prize, it actually it closes tonight at midnight because this episode goes out on Friday the 16th. So if you're one of those keen beans that listening to it as soon as it drops, 
then uh, you've got the day to write three chapters and get your submission in before midnight. And Fiona will be staying up till midnight and she'll be closing that email account personally at the stroke of midnight. So you've got to get in before midnight. If you're like, listening to this on the Friday, that it comes like out. Cinderella. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I should say as well that we run that with our lovely friends at the Emerging Writers Festival in Melbourne. So it's probably going to be them who are sitting at <laughs> okay. off at midnight. But um, a big thank you to them for helping us with the program. And, and if you don't make the deadline this year, we'll be back next year. So, you know, time to start thinking. Well, this, this episode usually drops about 5am. So you've got some oh, solid hours. You've got a whole day, day, people. Come on. <laughs> Call in sick. Get the typewriter out. Kick the kids out. I don't know if you can. It's locked down in Sydney. But, you know, figure it out. <laughs> just put Netflix on for the kids and just bang away at those three chapters. It's easy. No, no pressure <laughs> at pressure all. At all. <laughs> Now, I love slush piles. I'm actually fascinated by slush piles, right? And I'm fascinated that some things will just, you know, not have the X factor or some things, you know, will stand out. For you, have you got an example of where something has just stood out for you or is there something you're looking for when you're going, when you're having a look at the slush pile? I know it's not your job entirely, mm. but, you know, when it comes across your desk, because I'm interested in how to stand out from all the slush. Oh, that is such a good question. And it's a difficult question. Um, I think sometimes the way, you know, the way to stand out is that you just have a really different or unusual story to tell. Um, mm. And it's, and sometimes, you know, I think, I think people who submit their work, first of all, should say incredibly brave, um, you know, because it's not an easy process at all. Um, and I think sometimes to the slush pile, people will submit books that, um, you know, are quite personal in nature or that they've worked on for, for such a long time. And I, I always think it's, um, you know, to, to be very respectful of the amount of time and effort and thought that has gone into that. And quite a lot of the time, they're, they're not necessarily books that we are, you know, that we think that we can find readers for, but that you know, it, it, it's incredible that people have taken the time to write um, and sometimes there are. Um, I think from our slush pile, slush pile there have been a couple of um, memoirs that we have found in there, you know, that were just people thinking, I'm just going to give this a go. Mm. I'm looking on the publisher website. I'm going to submit it and see what happens, um, mm. you know, and then, and then you talk to them and, realize that their story is is really you know unique or special and that you can and that you can work with them so yeah yeah but yes it is it's it's not there is a lot of serendipity I suppose in yeah. submitting that way um and I was going to mention to I mean the Australian Society of Authors runs quite regular pitch um days with publishers and I think if if people are looking for ways to get in front of publishers, that's actually a really good way um, to do it. And then with the Emerging Writers Festival, we also run once a year a Inside the Publishing House Day where we will do kind of um, introduce people to the publishing process and different people in the team. And, and we usually have a pitch component at the end of that session as well for anybody who wants to step boldly and and. Mm. and their work and I think those are probably I think if I was giving advice I'd say try and get into one of those things first 
rather than than send to the slush pile if if you can because I think then at least you you've already got yourself into that situation where you're meeting someone face to face and I think that obviously as well is great because you can ask questions and you can it's all about that connection which isn't as easy to um you know to create on paper yeah absolutely and I noticed a little bit of subliminal advertising you slipped in there Fiona with the step boldly uh (laughs) That's uh, clearly you're just trying to uh, make sure that uh, Nevermore gets a bit of a plug there. So, uh, you know, always on, Fiona. So that I always appreciate Always on. <laughs> and just watch Fiona creeping up behind you at the bookstore. <laughs> yes. That's right. Step boldly and buy this it's book. It's such a good phrase though, isn't it? It, so it is. I, that, I know. It is obviously yes. But it's a little bit. <laughs> No, no, I like we love it. There's a bit of sales pitch there, but I also think it's a great expression. I appreciate it. And now, Fiona, this is going to be a pretty tough question. Not as tough as the anonymous author question, which is coming oh. up, but this is going to be a tough question, Fiona. I need to I need to warn you. Oh. Across okay. 25 years in the business, and yeah. we all know you started when you were three or four, 25 years <laughs> in the business, uh, do you have like a, a memorable story or a uh, or, or an achievement that really stands out for oh, you okay. that you could share with us across all those years of experience in the publishing industry? Yes, I'm laughing, thinking which story can I tell you? Oh, <laughs> so I like it. Stories. Yeah, just to create an air of mystery. Um, <laughs> no, I, recently I am super, super excited to be working with Michael Mosley because I one of my... You know, health and well-being, I'm really passionate about that area. So that's going to be lots of fun um, to work with him on, on those upcoming books. But, yes, um, if we can, can I do the funny story? Please. <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing. Oh, it was oh, that's even better. Anyway. Yes, I'm please. I'm going to share it with you anyway. So, <laughs> so I moved um, to Australia a long time ago um, and in one of my, in my first job in Australia, and I won't say which publisher it was at, but I was leaving the office late one evening and I got into the lift. One of my colleagues was in there and he was in the lift with a gentleman who was wearing, you know, kind of a shirt that looked like um, he worked, you know, had like a logo on there. Mm-hmm. And the colleague introduced me to this man and said, oh, this is Steve Waugh. And I looked at the shirt, which was for a plumbing company. And <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I know. And I don't know, just in the nick of time, I managed to not say, are you looking at doing some plumbing work or some really outrageous comment like that? And just sort of nodded my head and smiled and said hello. And got out of the lift thinking... I just saved myself from the, the most, I'm sure I've saved myself from the, the most embarrassing situation, but I had no idea that Steve Wall was, I think he was the Australian cricket captain mm-hmm. at that time, and we were pitching to be the publisher of his cricket diaries. <laughs> and, of course, I got home and quickly did a bit of research and just thought, oh, my goodness me. And actually, in, in one of my many, you know, cupboard tidying moments that we've all been doing recently, I actually still have the card from the launch, which he autographed to me, <laughs> signed Steve Raw, <laughs> memorabilia of that, of that time. But, yeah, it was, it was quite funny. I could have ruined that. everything. You could have. Uh, <laughs> you were probably trying to come across as the publisher that really knows cricket. You know. <laughs> I love 
love that. If it makes you feel any better, Fiona, I would have been exactly the same. I would have not had a clue. So, you know. Yeah. What are you going to do? So the big lesson for me from that was if you're not sure who someone is, never say anything that could make that situation worse. Don't don't ask them if they're going to fix your toilet. (laughs) No, no. Do not say, are the bathrooms on level three now working? That was fantastic. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I love it. (laughs) I think it's time, Adrian. Oh, is it time for the controversial, the controversial anonymous author question? Okay, so we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about the fact that Hachette are open for business. You can submit at any time, and if you're super quick, you can get in for the for the ritual prize. Uh, but we do have a question from an anonymous author who's had their voice disguised. Got a question about submissions, and we are going to play it for you right now, Fiona. If you could answer this question from our anonymous author. What are some of the mistakes you see emerging writers make when they are querying? Oh, we're talking about some of the mistakes that emerging writers might make. Are there? Wow. Because personally, I like to write little poems in the in the margins of my submissions. Limericks. Uh, little limericks, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. that I think that's a bonus, but you might think that's a mistake, Fiona. I'm not sure. It's not so much a mistake, but, I mean, sometimes people do go to a huge amount of effort to make their submission stand out you know they might put it in some beautiful box that they've clearly gone and spent a lot of money on or you know they've had it bound really spectacularly and I think I understand why people do that but I don't think it's necessary um so I think just make sure that you have followed the submission Mm -hmm. actions so you know things like the double spacing and um the typeface and all, all of that kind of information that we give you and and follow the guidelines and I think you know that's that's the best that you can do to get to get your manuscript on that first part of the journey. No gimmicks. No gimmicks people. No, no you don't need to bombs. do gimmicks. No no glitter bombs. <laughs> glitter bombs. Um no glitter bombs required. Um I'd like a glitter bomb just situation. quietly. Well yeah. I'd be pretty happy that situation. Send me a glitter bomb. Fiona Hazard, thank you so much for joining us for the final episode in the Publishing Insider Series 1 for Words and Nerds. It's been an absolute treat to get to know you, not only get to know you, though, get to know a little bit more about Hachette and the fact that if you've got an awesome, amazing manuscript of any description, they uh, the submissions are open right now. Get onto it. And if, as we said before, if you are an early bird and you are listening to this podcast the moment it drops then you've got till midnight tonight to get involved in the ritual prize. And you only need three chapters, three chapters and the truth. I think it's all you need and uh, you could be a real chance. So thank you so much, Fiona, for joining us on the final episode of this season. It's been awesome to be chatting with you. Thanks, Danny, and thanks, Adrian, for having me. It's been so much fun and I just wanted to say writers keep writing because without without you guys, we don't have a job and... Um, <laughs> You know, so so we're here and always looking for really fresh, um, fresh ideas and beautiful words. Um, so keep them coming. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. I look forward to seeing you in a bookshop sometime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be standing behind you doing that really helpful tips. <laughs> yeah. Here, read this book about Steve Waugh. You'll love it. That's what you say. <laughs> and I'll be like, who is he a plumber? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Fiona. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.